Chapter 13 The Rebel Story 1950-1959 For ten years during the 1950s, the Morris brothers operated a school in Rebel, East New Britain. It's an interesting story with a chaotic beginning and a rather sad ending. Nonetheless, the brothers' presence in Rebel and their work among the Chinese community seem to have borne fruit, if we can judge by the number of ex-students who have become fine leaders in the country and have for many years maintained loyal friendships with the brothers, continuing to support their work. The Rebel School never had a Melanesian staff member nor any Melanesian students. Nonetheless, it is an interesting part of our history, and its story is worth telling. What a decade it was. Post-war developments continued apace across the world, as well as in Papua New Guinea and Solomons. New leaders emerged. De Gaulle, Khrushchev, Eisenhower and Castro. There was a new young queen in England, and a remarkable new man in the Vatican, Pope John Twenty-Third announced within months of his election that the Church would have a great renewal in the Second Vatican Council. Television and transistor radios appeared. The Space Age began when the Russians sent Sputnik 1, a small satellite, into orbit around the globe. Tenzing Norgay and Edmund Hillary were the first to reach the summit of the world's highest mountain. Elvis Presley stormed the world, and rock and roll was born. United States dropped hydrogen bombs at Bikini Atoll in the Pacific. In our part of the Marist world, Brother Godfrey, and then later Brother Coleman, were leading the school at Teneru in the Solomons, while at Kieta in Bougainville, Brother Borgia, followed by Brother Simeon, was at the helm. Brothers from the province of Melbourne, Australia, sent two of their men to a school on Kairuru Island near Wewak in PNG. Significantly, the first Melanesian men from PNG and Solomon Islands made their vows as Maris brothers in 1956. At the beginning of the 1950s, the brothers' work began in Rabaul. The War in Rabaul the Second World War, 1942 to 1945, had a devastating effect on Rebel, where the Japanese had established their wartime headquarters. In January 1942, the Japanese forces overran the small Australian garrison in Rebel and established a form formidable army and navy base, an ideal strategic location for its headquarters, with an ample harbour and natural defences. It developed into the major supply base for the Japanese campaign in the Western Pacific. It is said that at the height of its operation, the Rabaul base had nearly 200,000 Japanese military personnel. The Allies, wishing to isolate Rabaul and cut off the Japanese supply lines, maintained a fierce aerial bombardment which lasted for the duration of the war. Japanese casualties were high, 
and also many of the local Tolai people became war victims. The Japanese imprisoned the missionaries in a concentration camp until the end of the war. 67 missionaries died in and around Rabaul, and most of the mission stations were destroyed in the bombing. Church life continued, however, through the work of the catechists, among them Blessed Peter Tarot. The Chinese School in Rabaul In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, there was a big increase in the number of Chinese families migrating to the Pacific Islands in search of a better life or trading opportunities. In 1914, Mr. Aloysius Akun donated a building to the Catholic Church for the purpose of establishing a school for the Chinese community. He brought a Catholic teacher from China to run the school. In that way, St. Teresa's Yanqing School was founded. It later became Sacred Heart School. In January 1925, three Australian Alch sisters, daughters of Our Lady of the Sacred Heart, arrived in Rebel at the invitation of the parish priest, Father Madigan, MSc, to take charge of the existing Chinese Catholic school. They were Sisters Immaculata Mazengab, Adela McGrath, and Placid Carl. Two Chinese teachers assisted them. At that time, there were 91 children in the school. After the Japanese invasion in 1942, most of the Chinese community fled Rabaul, many going to nearby New Ireland. After hostilities ended, they returned to Rabaul to find their homes and businesses totally destroyed. With enormous resilience and hard work, they began again. Slowly, they re-established themselves and contributed greatly to the rapid post-war reconstruction of Rabaul which once again became a busy commercial centre. The Chinese became prominent in the business community. After the war, in 1946, the Sacred Heart School reopened with makeshift buildings and earth floor. By 1950, there were 400 students in the school, which was by then operating on two sites. The students were wonderful to teach, reported Sister Kathleen Gaffey. OLSH, who was a staff member in 1950. There were never any discipline problems and we taught everything in English. The school, like the town, was developing rapidly, so the new Bishop of Rabaul, Bishop Shemak, MSC, decided to look for Chinese brothers who could join the staff of Sacred Heart School and assist the Alch sisters. The Brothers Flee China Meanwhile, in China, other dramatic events were occurring. Foreign Christian missionaries were expelled from China following the promulgation of the People's Republic in October 1949 under Mao Zedong. Some Chinese people approved of the Communist Revolution, seeing it as liberation from the interference of foreign powers under the so-called unequal treaties of the mid-19th century. These treaties had resulted in the opening of Chinese ports to European traders, the loss of the island of Hong Kong to the British, 
and the granting of unlimited travel and residential access to foreigners. There was also a religious toleration clause in the treaties, which ensured that Christian missionaries would be free from interference from Chinese authorities. Among the Chinese people, the treaties were widely resented as foreign intrusion and control of their affairs. The church failed to distance itself from the political and colonial intentions of the Europeans and was rather slow to create national leaders in its own ranks. Virtually all bishops were Europeans, even though Christianity had first come to China some 1300 years before with the Nestorian missionaries in 635 AD. The story of the church in China is indeed a long and complex one. The new Chinese rulers saw the church as foreign devils, part of the system of foreign interference in Chinese affairs. The church was not Chinese and had to go, along with the European and American diplomats and traders. Some terrible persecutions followed, and many Chinese Christians suffered or died at the hands of the communists, including Mara's brother, Josh Albert Lee who is publicly executed at Sichang in May 1951, together with 24 other prisoners. Following the persecution of Christians in 1949 and during the 1950s, foreign missionaries and many Chinese religious and clergy fled the country. Among them were Maoist brothers, who escaped to Hong Kong and Singapore. Many national Chinese brothers stayed in China. Some were imprisoned. Others had to hide from the authorities, refugees in their own land. The brothers lost contact with each other and with the outside world. From the 1980s onwards, they began to have tentative contact with each other and with visiting Chinese brothers from Hong Kong, Singapore and Malaysia. The suffering of our national Chinese brothers is a great untold story. Among the brothers exiled from their own homeland because of the communists, were Brother Jean-Marie Pen Yulin, Brother Claudius Maria Xu, Brother Antonin Sheng Tuxuan, and Brother Marie Joseph Dong Rojin, who were to be the founders of the Maris Brothers community in Rebel. Jean-Marie, <coughs> the man who was to lead the Brothers community in Rebel, was himself a Chinese war hero. Before and during the Second World War, Japanese forces had invaded and occupied vast areas of China. Relationships between the two countries had been tense for centuries, and during the war, the Chinese hatred of the Japanese invaders was strong, intensified by war atrocities. Jean-Marie became involved in a resistance movement against the invaders, and he operated a secret radio in his school at Qingdao. The Japanese discovered the radio and arrested Jean-Marie. He claimed sole responsibility so that other school personnel could be released. Sentenced to death and imprisoned in a Japanese war prison, he was finally freed by a guerrilla raid. In disguise, he made his way across China, some 1,500 kilometres, until he reached Chongqing in central China, where he settled into the brothers' community again. Later, Jean-Marie received a medal and certificate of recognition for his service to the Chinese nationalists.
Father Thomas Aumont, MSC, a priest at Rabaul after the war, requested the leader of the brothers in the province of China, Brother Anj, to provide some Chinese brothers to teach at the Sacred Heart School in Rabaul. Anj visited Rabaul, met Bishop Shemak, and agreed to send four Chinese brothers. Three would come from Hong Kong, while Brother Claudius would come from Singapore. The tragedy of the events in China had resulted in four Chinese brothers becoming available to staff the school in Rabaul. Arrival in Rabaul There were about 3,000 Chinese residents in Rabaul in 1950. At that time, the Sacred Heart School was a co-educational primary school of about 400 students, most of whom were Chinese. Some Australian sisters, daughters of Our Lady of the Sacred Heart, Olch, comprised the school staff prior to the arrival of the brothers. In March 1950, the three brothers left Hong Kong and travelled via Borneo to Darwin, Australia, where they met up with Claudius, who had arrived from Singapore. From there, they flew to Cloncurry in Western Queensland, and finally to Townsville on the North Queensland coast, where they stayed for three days. While in Townsville, they met Mr Shepherd, a reporter with the Townsville Daily Bulletin. Mr Shepherd was fascinated by their story and showed them around the city, including a visit to the zoo. We there first met kangaroos and laughing jackasses, John Marie wrote later in the annals. Mr Shepherd wrote an article for his newspaper about the brothers' arrival in which he said, The brothers may never again see their homeland or their families, as they have elected to remain in rebel for many years, perhaps permanently. It was not to be. On Wednesday 7 April 1950, the brothers arrived at Matupit Airfield in Rabaul after an overnight stop in Leh. A large crowd of Chinese families, together with priests and sisters, greeted the brothers. The problem which was to contribute to the eventual return of the brothers to their own province became immediately obvious on their arrival. The people could not understand three of the brothers. All except Claudius were Mandarin speakers, while the Rabaul Chinese families were mainly Cantonese speakers, a different Chinese language. In China, Cantonese is a minority language, but virtually all Chinese Rabaul residents were Cantonese. The brothers were well-educated men, as the Townsville newspaper reported, having some knowledge of Japanese, French and limited English, in addition to their native Mandarin. Their French was better than their English and was, for a time, their main medium of communication in Rabaul. However, except for Claudius, they were not fluent enough in Cantonese to communicate with the people they had come halfway across the world to live and work with. Apparently Ange, in arranging this opening some months previously, had believed that the language barrier could be overcome through the brother's limited knowledge of English. Perhaps he expected his men to learn Cantonese, a daunting task. 
We do not know why Ange and his four brothers did not foresee the implications of the language problem. It seems that the brothers' inability to speak Cantonese, and especially English, was both a surprise and a disappointment to the rebel Chinese community, and especially to the mission authorities. The language issue was going to cause many problems, and would become one of the reasons for the ultimate departure of the Mandarin-speaking brothers. The Chinese community provided a guard of honour motorcade to the rebel Catholic Church. There was a long line of cars, report Jean-Marie. On arrival at the church, they sang the Salve Regina and the Magnificat. There were speeches of welcome. Jean-Marie addressed the people in Mandarin, while Claudius translated into Cantonese. Getting started. The brothers were impressed by the magnificent harbour town of Rebel, scenically located near a dormant volcano. The school was well equipped with a large hall and extensive playing fields. Beyond the playing fields, the ground rose sharply to the jagged rim of the ancient volcano, of which the harbour is its crater. The school was destroyed in the 1994 eruption of nearby Mount Tavavur. It was rebuilt afterwards, but the enrolment was small because most people had moved out of Rabaul following the eruption. Life was difficult for the brothers. The early annals give scant detail of their daily life and challenges. We were busy every day at our new work in this strange country. Strange indeed, having been forced to leave their previous responsible positions in China to be faced with a group of people they hoped to teach but could not communicate with. Apparently, the local Chinese community was kind to the brothers as there are occasional references to social outings, sporting events and to small gifts from the people. The parish priest, Father White, MSC, appointed himself as caretaker headmaster of the school, which perhaps added to the tension of the situation. The brothers recorded no mention of the language-related difficulties they were experiencing in the school. We have only the perspective of the diocesan authorities. In February 1951, the secretary of the vicariate, Father Kopas, MSC, wrote to Brother Andrew, the Sydney Provincial, Quote, the Chinese people are now and will continue to be the influential citizens of New Guinea. Realising this, His Lordship the Bishop welcomed from China what he thought would be qualified teaching brothers who would be capable of imparting to the Chinese children a sound Christian education, thereby making the child of today an ardent and loyal Catholic of tomorrow. The mission incurred heavy expenses in bringing the four brothers by air from China. In addition, the bishop gave the brothers a generous allowance. You realise that the result of all this was very disappointing. Not one brother was a qualified Cantonese teacher. Three could speak neither Cantonese nor English. And this, despite the fact that they were to be the teachers in charge of a school where only English and Cantonese were taught and spoken. As a result, additional work was placed upon the sisters, already overburdened, and the educational standard 
of the Catholic Chinese school was lowered. End of quote. It was painful for the brothers. They were so far from what was familiar and no longer had the enormous respect, esteem and admiration given to teachers in their homeland. What made it worse was that the disappointment of the priests was obvious. It's also possible that they suffered some disrespect from some rebel residents on the basis of their different language, culture or religion. The four Marists were good, generous men, caught in a no-win situation. Something had to be done. The diocesan authorities appealed to the Sydney Provincial Andrew Power for advice and assistance. The Sydney Province Sends Brothers Andrew, in his typical fashion, responded quickly to the need. He asked Brother Simeon Mackenzie of the Kieta community, who was in Australia at the time for medical treatment, to visit the rebel community on his return journey to Kieta and report back on the situation. Some weeks later, in September 1950, Andrew himself, together with Brother Borgia of the Kieta community, spent some days with the rebel brothers to familiarise himself with the difficulties they were experiencing. He discovered that the brother director, Jean-Marie, was quite sick. It seems that the traumas he had experienced in China were resurfacing. He was experiencing severe emotional stress, as well as physical illness. The brothers decided that Jean-Marie, accompanied by Borgia, would fly to Sydney for immediate medical treatment. Meanwhile, Andrew held intensive discussions with the brothers, Bishop Schimark and Father White. Having assessed the situation, Andrew did not waste time. He decided that he would send one of his brothers to rebel immediately to assist the Chinese brothers. In a cable to the brothers in Solomon Islands, he appointed Brother Irvin McDonough of the Tenaru community to proceed at once to rebel to support the work of the school. Irvin arrived in rebel on 3 October 1950. Later, Brother Jude Featherston, who was on his way to Kieta, joined the community for a few weeks at the end of 1950. The presence of the Australians was a temporary emergency arrangement until the arrival of the Chinese provincial, Brother Ange, in December 1950, when negotiations began with the diocesan authorities to appoint Irvin headmaster of the school for 1951. Irvin, however, had requested that the brothers' conditions, particularly their accommodation arrangements, be improved. Since their arrival, the brothers had been assigned some rooms attached to the priest house, the mission reluctant to provide new accommodation until a decision had been made about possible relocation of the town at a safe distance from the nearby active volcano. Irvin returned to Australia in December 1950. Presumably with the blessing of his equally stubborn provincial, Irvin refused to return to Rabaul until the accommodation issue and several others were resolved. Meanwhile, Marie-Joseph, Claudius and Antonin struggled on alone. The Chinese provincial brother Ange visited his brothers in Rabaul for a week in December and then proceeded to Sydney for the discussions with the Sydney provincial. An agreement is reached. 
Relationships with the missionaries of the Sacred Heart authorities in the early days of the school were difficult. Arranging the contract was not easy. The Australian brothers had no experience of working in a large mission station. In his correspondence, the Sydney provincial brother Andrew compared the arrangements with what the Maris had in place in the Solomons Bougainville or even Australia. The embassies, understandably, did not like those kinds of comparisons. They urgently wanted a solution, however, and were willing to compromise. The two Maris provincials, Ange and Andrew, finally secured agreement with the MSCs on points they saw as essential. 1. The brothers would teach the boys and the sisters would teach the girls. 2. The brothers' accommodation would be separate from that of the priests. 3. Suitable financial arrangements were put in place, including an annual salary of £250 for each brother. On 15 April 1951, having secured a contract acceptable to all parties, Irvin returned to Rabaul after his extended Christmas break and took on the leadership of the boys' section at the Sacred Heart School. For quite some time, the communications between the Mandarin-speaking brothers and the Australian brothers was in the French language and a necessity which was difficult for both groups. Staff changes. During 1951, there were several other staff changes. It was decided that Marie-Joseph, the youngest brother on the staff, should go to Sydney for some studies. Jean-Marie, the first director, returned to China from Sydney. As time went on, some problems arose with visa renewal for some of the Mandarin-speaking brothers to further add to their difficulties. Jude Featherston of the Kieta community assisted at the school for some months while receiving medical treatment in Rabaul. Mid-year, Brother Philip Phillips arrived from Sydney as a new permanent staff member and began teaching third and fourth classes. Brother Miles Fox, another Australian, replaced Philip three years later. Of the original contingent of the pioneering Chinese brothers, only two remained by 1952. Claudius, by all accounts a respected and effective teacher, continued on the staff until mid-1956, when he returned to China. Antonin continued to experience difficulties in language and at one stage planned to go to Australia for further studies. That did not happen and he returned to his province at the end of 1953. Meanwhile, Brother Vaynard Dominic, a newly appointed young Chinese brother, had already completed his matriculation studies in Australia and taught in a Sydney school for 18 months, awaiting approval of his visa to proceed to Rabaul. This was finally arranged and he joined the Rabaul community in 1954, where he stayed for three years. He was a successful teacher and a popular young brother, and he was finally transferred back to his province, to Kuala Lumpur, towards the end of 1956. By then, the general administration of the institute had decided that the Rabaul establishment should more appropriately be part of the Sydney province, and the transfer of authority from the China province to the Sydney province became effective in 1954. Jean-Marie returned to Hong Kong after leaving Australia. 
He died in Singapore in 1991. Claudius returned to Hong Kong and taught for many years in St. Francis Xavier College until his death in 1963. Antonin left the brothers some years after returning to Hong Kong. He later became a priest. He died in Taiwan. The school comes of age. There were many problems in 1950 and 1951, the main ones being language difficulty, suitable formation for the young brothers, strained relationships with the priest, accommodating to a bicultural community, all in the context of the complex multicultural mix of the rebel church and society. By 1953, the brothers had solved the big problems and learned to work with the remaining difficulties. Their little school began to flourish. The annals and school reports of the following years tell the story of a thriving school with a balanced curriculum, active sports program and involvement in the wider community. The parents were actively involved in the school, supported it well and greatly appreciated the quality of education provided for their sons. In 1958, the school was registered with the Department of Education and thus had the benefit of greater government assistance with textbooks and materials. Gervais Shackleton joined the staff in 1955. Irvin had made a great contribution in establishing the boys' section of the school from 1951 to 1956. He successfully negotiated with Australian authorities and schools for quite a number of students to continue their education in Australia. The families appreciated his efforts in this regard. In 1957, Brother Vincent Flanagan became the new director with Brother Berkman's Murray as an additional staff member. There were always strong links between the Rabaul and Rigu Marist communities. Rebel was a convenient stopover point for brothers travelling to and from Bougainville. Bishop Wade SM frequently stayed with the brothers in Rebel, which was always a great encouragement for the brothers. Vincent Flanagan was a popular headmaster. Among his many interests was rugby league, in which he excelled. He coached a team in the local Rebel competition and was selected to be the victorious New Britain team. He was selected to be the coach of the victorious New Britain team, which competed in Medang in June 1959. Significant visitors were Melbourne Province brothers Baptist Faulkner and Canute Sheehan, who stayed two days with the brothers in February 1959 on their way to open a new community on Kairu Island near Wewak. A sudden end. The brothers' stay in Rabaul ended suddenly. On 24 September 1959, the parish priest, Father Dwyer, MSC, called Vincent to his office and informed him that a decision had been taken to terminate the brothers' work in the school. Vincent, who was enjoying the work in Rabaul and gaining satisfaction from running an excellent school, was devastated but the decision was final. Father Dwyer explained that the school population was small, about 90 boys. The recently opened Rabaul High School 
would cater for the Sacred Heart students who wished to continue their education in Rabaul. So earlier discussions about opening a Catholic high school were to be shelved. With the smaller numbers, it had been decided to recombine the boys' and girls' school. There were sufficient old sisters to staff the combined school, so the brothers were politely relieved of their duties, as is recorded in the annals. The decision would save the diocese the three brothers' stipends. Saving money was the main reason given for ending the brothers' contracts. Later, the new Sydney provincial, Quentin Duffy, was officially informed. With the decision final, there was little that could be done. The provincial, no doubt, would have no problem in placing the three brothers elsewhere, and in any case, preferred to focus his province's mission efforts on the Melanesian schools in Bougainville and Solomons. He did not fight the decision. It was a different story with the rebel parents, who petitioned Bishop Shemak with hundreds of signatures, asking for the brothers to stay. It was not to be. Even though it was Father Dwyer who had made the initial decision, the bishop concurred. There was an element of blind obedience to the pastors of the church in the acceptance of Father Dwyer's decision by the Chinese community. One brother, a former rebel teacher, believes that the people regretted the loss of the brothers for a long time. This gave them wisdom enough to have more mature pastoral cooperation with their priests in later years. End of quote. Realistically, in 1959, there was little more the parents could do to keep their brothers. The Chinese community continued their requests for the return of the brothers for some time. Brother Othmar Weldon, provincial of Sydney province in the late 60s, regularly received delegations from the Chinese community during his stopovers in Rabaul with ex-student Laurie Chan. The old sisters, who had always appreciated the brothers' presence, were also disappointed to see the brothers leave. We were happy with the brothers and we worked well with them. We were very sorry when they were forced to go away, says Sister Kathleen Gaffey, former teacher at Sacred Heart School. The sisters continued at the school until 1988. On 25 October 1959, there was a grand farewell dinner in the school assembly hall. Over 600 people attended. Father Hone, MSC, represented the bishop. The parish priest, Father Dwyer, was absent in Australia. Many kind words were said, thanking the brothers for their work over the previous ten years. Vincent responded, thanking the people for the kindness they had always shown to the brothers. The three brothers departed for Australia soon after. Vincent did not return to PNGSI. He became headmaster of several Australian schools and died in Sydney in 1982. Gervais, Vincent Shackleton, and Berkman's, Kevin Murray, spent many more years in Papua New Guinea and Solomon Islands. <laughs>